Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee. Talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Off The Tee for another week. Wonderful to have your company and so much to talk about as there always is, including Liv, the lawsuit that's going on there. And also the future of two Australian golfers may have just been revealed by a fellow Aussie golfer today. And if it's true, it is an out and out bombshell. It'll be one of the biggest stories ever in Australian golf. It's been a big change in the way that local golf clubs are setting up their courses and their tee markers. Got a brand new segment debuting tonight, and it's all for our brand new sponsor, uh, Big Swing Golf, indoor golf, real, fun, fast. Uh, but Nick Ahern is all those things. Uh, hello, mate. Sam, great to be here again. Uh, we're going to get your tips, uh, so Nick Ahern knowledge to be dropped uh, later on from the uh, from his book, How to Play Your Best Golf. Why don't we start off with some of the great results uh, from uh, Aussies, but also just from the major tournaments that have been played in the last week, Nick. And we'll start uh, with the AIG Women's Open at Muirhead in Scotland. Um, South Africa's Ashley Buhai uh, wins her first major, and it was her first PGA event win too, uh, and her fourth on the LET as it's a co-sanctioned event um, in a playoff against South Korea's Chun Ing-In-G. Almost. Did I get that right? Not quite. Inji Chun. Oh, I've got them around yeah, the wrong way. Around the wrong way. That's okay. Inji Chan, apologies. Um, you, you've got to reverse them when you read them. I, yeah, forgot to do the it's reversal. All good. <laughs> Almost threw it away with the triple bogey on 15, but what did you make of the performance over the four rounds? Oh, it was it was such an exciting week. I mean, it started out with Jessica Corder, who was the first, uh, I think she got five or six hundred in the first round with borrowed clubs and borrowed clothes and everything. Her clubs and, uh, and equipment didn't arrive. So it was an interesting start to that's the a great uh, story to the week, but at Murfield, I think, you know, was the huge, obviously winner of all this because along with Buhai, but, uh, first time a women's major has ever been played there in their 275 year history. We spoke a bit about that last year and the history of the golf club there, but, uh, she played magnificent golf, the South African Ashley Buhai closed, you know, with a bit of an issue, obviously on that 15th hole, making a triple bogey. She was in cruise control most of the day, three or four shot lead, but playing with, uh, the Japanese golfer, Inji Chun, was in the group ahead of her. And unbeknownst to her, you know, Buhai makes that triple on 15 and all of a sudden it's game on. And um, uh, Inji Chun, I was actually rooting for her a little bit because she has an Australian caddy on her bag, uh, uh, Dean Hurden. And this would have been her career grand slam if she had won the British Open because she's won the US yep. Women's Open, the PGA, and I think the Evian. And the ANA is not really considered part of their grand slam, but... She played, I mean, as a, as a 14-year-old, she won their National Open in South Africa. So mm. she was kind of uh, dubbed the can't-miss kid and the next big thing over there. But her career hasn't really taken off as much as she's wanted to. She's won three times on the LET, the Lady Ladies European Tour. Had one top 10 in a major three years ago at Woburn, where she was tied fifth in this particular tournament, the Women's Open there a few years ago in a 15 pro career. Her caddy... Uh, David Caddy's for a fellow golfer. Um, her name, I can't pronounce her first name, but uh, it ends in Lee six because there's quite a number of Lees over there. So they put a number after, yep. <laughs> after that, but, uh, it was fascinating viewing and it went four extra holes, four hole playoff, almost finished in the dark. 
And the bunker shot she hit to actually win it was just world class. And it, as it turns out, she's number one in sand saves on the LPGA Tour, and, and she brought it to the fore, and it was a wonderful way to finish. So Minji Lee, world number two, needed to win or come second to claim the world number one ranking. She didn't quite get that tied for fourth, but what she did get um, is one of the most prestigious trophies in golf, and that is the Arnica Major Award. Now, uh, for those who don't know, Nick, the Arnica Major... Mm, the Rolex Annika Major, by the way, we, we have to put that one in there as well because they're one of the biggest sponsors on, of World Golf. Yes. The Rolex uh, Annika Award uh, is for the best performance over all the majors for the year. And obviously, Minji Lee having that win uh, at the Women's Open, uh, yep. US Women's Open recently, and, and her stellar performances you know, in all the other majors, it basically just meant that she was you know, streets ahead of, of the second best player in the majors. Yeah, tied for second at the PGA Champs, 12th uh, at the Sharon and um, 43rd at the Evian. Finished up 34 under for the five, uh, eight shots better than the next place. Um, it's pretty good golf, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, and we've got to say, so congratulations to Minji Lee. What a year um, that, that she's had. And um, you just feel like she's starting to scratch the surface of, of her talent and what uh, her potential might be and where she might get to. Yeah, and I think amongst her peers, they all know right now she really is the number one female player in the world. Yep. Um, you know, the rankings say Jin Young-Ko, who she played with the first two rounds at the Open there. Who she actually missed the cut. But, um, yeah, people know that Minji is playing the best golf out of all the, the female players, and it won't be long, I think, before she holds that number one ranking. And I just can't wait for an Aussie to have that number one world ranking again. Kari, the last? Kari would be the last. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On the men's side, I've got to think it might have been Adam, Adam Scott or Jason Day. Maybe yep. Jason Day, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Steph Kuriaku, what a performance from her, the Victorian. Um, only got her tour card, I think, for this season um, and has finished tied for seventh. So phenomenal performance from Steph. That's her second top 10 in a major this year. She, she was uh, tied 10th earlier. I think it was at the um, PGA Championship, I believe. But that pretty much all pretty, it basically secures her tour card for next year, which is a huge effort in your rookie year. Your rookie year is always the toughest. And, man, she can play. I mean, she's yeah. got some grit about her. She closed with a, a level par, I think, 71. And she could have actually got right up there a couple more spots. But... Just an outstanding effort to secure your card in that way. She's around about 40th on the money list and doing very well at the top, moment. Top 40 finish for Hannah Green who uh, and top 50 finish for Whitney Hillier. Um, Sue O uh, didn't make the cut. But uh, good news, Hannah Green has committed to coming back and playing uh, the Australian Open, uh, which has a new uh, sponsor. And ISPS Honda have been really uh, engaged and involved in golf in Australia and especially Victoria uh, for a while now. Yeah, they certainly have uh, Dr. Honda, as he's known. Um, that's, uh, well, his actual name is Dr. Haruhisa Honda, I believe. Mm. And he's, he's been a long-time supporter of disability golf in this country for over 30 years. I remember when I was playing back in Perth, he helped out a lot of the blind golfers. Yeah. used to bring all the, all the uh, Japanese players down, and we play a pro-am over there. But he's, he sponsored the, women, the Australian Women's Open since 2010, and he's been a, such an inspiring leader in, in the, uh, the All Abilities Championship as well. So we're looking forward to that. We're going to have the men's and the women's open together under the ISPS Handa naming rights sponsor. And you're also going to get the All Abilities Championship at the same time. So it's actually three tournaments in the one. And you're going to have the top 12 all ability players or disability players in the world playing at Victoria Golf Club and Kingston Heath at the end of the year. It's going to be absolutely magic. Let's move to the PGA Tour. And I almost buried the lead, and I'm still going to continue to do that. Probably the biggest story that's um, going around in golf at the moment are comments that Cameron Percy has made about the futures of Mark Leishman 
uh, and world number two, Cameron Smith, when it comes to the Live Tour. I'm going to hold off on playing you that uh, for the time being as we continue going through our results. When I did the intro to the show, I certainly did bury the lead. It is a bombshell statement made by Cameron Percy, the 48-year-old Aussie golfer. And uh, I'm going to play it to you a little later on in the program when we have our live golf discussion. Um, but PGA Tour went to Wyndham um, at uh, uh, Sedfield Country Club in North, uh, in, in North Carolina. 20 years of age and first PGA win for Ju Hyung Kim. Five-shot win uh, over um, the American John. Now, do you say ha? Huh? John Ha. Huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I, thought, I thought I had that right. Yeah, no, you did well there. That Thank was you. But, Thank uh, you very much. Ju Hong goes by the name Tom because he loves Thomas the Tank Engine, apparently. <laughs> well, he's only 20. I'm, yeah. It's not. He's closer to his Thomas the Tank Engine days than he is away, further away from them. Um, well, one thing that did happen in the tournament, which I don't think I've ever seen or heard of before, is he started that tournament with a quadruple bogey eight on the first hole. Mm. On the first hole, he started with a quadruple eight. Earlier that day... Uh, I think it was John Hart actually shot 61. So that makes him, let's see, nine under, start with four over. You're 13 behind after one hole of the tournament. Stormed back. And he won by five. I mean, isn't that amazing? What a turnaround. And it could have been a six-shot win. I don't know if you saw. It's worth having a look at the Instagram page uh, for the PGA Tour. Um, It it might have been actually a lesser margin, I should say. It might have been a four-shot win if John Hart on – a par three, that long par three, I haven't yeah, quite seen hole. on the 12th. Mm. I've never quite seen a ball do this. He, <laughs> he he hits over the flag. There's a bit of a rise up behind the green, and it starts to roll back, gains momentum, going dead center at the hole, and then broke at a 45-degree angle and almost rolled, just angled past the edge at the very last minute. Yeah. It was like when you were about to be tackled in footy and you just sidestep out of the way. Yeah, it was like someone just, you know, doing the finger roll into the basket and, oh, no, someone comes in from the side and swats it away. It was, it looked like a hole-in-one for all money. It was just mm. incredible. But but Tom Kim, the young 20-year-old from, from South Korea, I mean, he turns out he's now the second youngest winner on the PGA Tour since World War II. Wow. It's an interesting stat. Jordan Spieth was uh, a little younger when he won his first tournament and he's the only player born in the 2000s to win on the PGA Tour. So that's an interesting stat that he'll uh, maybe be remembered for in some trivial pursuit games. But he's an outstanding young player. Uh, He's had six wins on the Asian and Korean Tours, uh, three as a 17-year-old. So this guy's actually a world beater already. And he's gone from, uh, let's see, he's now risen up to 34 on the FedEx Cup and 21 in the official World Golf Rankings as a 20-year-old. That's amazing. He did get a little help. Uh, there was one of his birdie putts that uh, took a tiny deflection off the, the coin marker of uh, who he was playing with uh, and fell nicely. Um, so a few interesting things happening along the way uh, at the Wyndham Champions, uh, Championship. Um, Brett uh, Druitt came in tied for 61st. Now, Cam Percy, uh, who we're going to have a chat about, we're going to play his audio a little later. He tied for eighth. He had a, a four under 66 in the fourth round, the 48-year-old Victorian. Um and was nine shots back, but it just keeps him at 142nd now mm. on the table. He will qualify for the Corn Ferry Finals. Yes, he does. But the well, the, the big thing around that is, and 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 this is the last event of their regular season before mm. we go into the FedEx playoffs, FedEx Cup playoffs. And the 125 is the number you want to be in to get in that yeah. FedEx Cup. And there was some serious movement on Friday yeah. because they're, there's they're, they call them like the bubble boys and things like that. You know, they're sitting on the <laughs> bubble. They may go in, may go out, and it's a it's it's like a reality TV show in in, in its in itself. And there was a young guy, Austin Smotherman. 
double bogey the last hole to lose his card. He moves outside the top 125. Ricky Fowler ended up missing the cut by one shot and it looked as though he was going to be outside. But as it turned out, he, he finished on that 125 spot. Uh, there was another guy, Justin Lower, three putted the last hole to miss his tour card for the following season. So there's all these side storylines going on at this tournament. It is fascinating viewing. But Cameron Persimmon, he was 158 starting the week on the FedEx Cup rankings, moves into that top one, uh, top 150. So he moved to 142, as you mentioned there, Sam. But that that 126 to 150 category gets him another. They have this little subcategory, so to speak. So that'll. That'll get him an extra half a dozen starts right there to begin with. Plus, it also gets him in the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, as you mentioned. Um, that was a great result. You know, the last event of the year to get inside that top 150 is huge. He would have loved to have been in the 125, but that's the next best thing. Uh, speaking of Corn Ferry, Harrison Endicott, um, 26 years of age, a Sydney cider, been plying his trade for a little while now, tied for fifth at the Utah Championship. He is one good finish away from getting his tour card for next year. So there's one event to play mm. at Corn Ferry. And if he uh, needs to finish, um, I, I have a feeling to, he's just has to make the cut. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, he went from 25th on yeah. the money list to 19th and it'd be, he'd be hard done by in one event. If he went to from 19 to 26, I don't see a, that bigger swing happening, yeah. but it's, you know, mathematically it can happen. If he had finished uh, third in this event or better, he would have wrapped it all up and he finished one shot outside of that, tied fifth. So, But he's looking good for next season. There is still so much to talk about on Off the Tee uh, on your Tuesday night, Sam Hargraves. Nick Ahern with you. We still haven't got to the biggest story of the day and that was the bombshell drop by Cam Percy, uh, as we said, tied for eighth uh, at the Wyndham um, uh, over the weekend. We will get to those on the other side of this, but we'll also play one of the most emotional moments I think we've ever seen in a golf broadcast and we'll explain more about that to you on the other side of this. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. I'm honoured to have my name sandwiched between yours and the Claret Jug, 90, 91, 92. I look at that all the time with, with great uh, pleasure. In the last two decades, we've been paired together many times on various TV towers around the world and, and in fact, the last 16 years here at CBS. Uh, it's been a great honour. And I'm sad to see you go like all of us are here, so so sad. Well, old boy, perhaps we'll have the chance to um, be paired together on the Gallatin River in Montana. I'll teach you. With a fly rod instead of a golf club. Cheers, mate. We miss you. You said one time, I'm not very often at a loss for words I am now, except just to say, Nick, um, your final thoughts on this remarkable run. Means I'm a, a single child and I've found at 65 three brothers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Bless you. So those were incredibly emotional scenes that complete the uh, the Wyndham on the PGA Tour, which turns out to be the final broadcast of Sir Nick Faldo, the six-time major winner. You heard Ian Baker Finch there breaking up. Uh, speaking of the love and, and the bond that he shares uh, with Nick Fowler, not just from a golf playing point of view, but from a broadcasting point of view, 15, 16 years together, um, bringing the biggest moments in golf along with Jim Nance uh, to us all. It was a beautiful moment. It certainly was. And I, I mean, I've known Finchie for, for quite a while and, you know, he, he loves to, you know, get the waterworks flowing at, <laughs> on the, at, at the best of times. I remember him doing a speech at the President's Cups I was involved with and he had a good cry during that. But he's just, he's such a passionate and... Yeah, loves his golf and obviously he's developed a great friendship with Nick Faldo over the years. And it, it almost, you know, kind of, 
I think it reminds me a bit of the, uh, what's that movie, Iron Man, where it said Tony Stark does have a heart because, you know, when Nick Faldo was playing golf, yeah. we often wondered, does does this guy, you know, have a heartbeat because he's so cool out there and, and he wasn't you know, maybe that well liked amongst the playing fraternity. But since he's moved behind the microphone, he's he's obviously become a, an outstanding broadcaster for about 16 years over there in the US and, and people have really come to almost fall in love with the, well, love with him and, and how he talks about the game from his perspective. So it's very much softened him. And Jim Nance did a great job during the show, Jimmy. really just controlling that really well. And I didn't hear much from Frank Noll below, and, and, but Finchie was great, you know, in, in his uh, kind words to his good mate, obviously. Just a couple of other results uh, before we get to the big news item stories. DP Tour? Yeah, on the DP Tour, they played the Kazoo Open, uh, presented by Gareth Bale. And Gareth, if you remember him, he was a famous um, English Premier League yeah. player with with the Spurs. And then he moved across to Real Madrid. Absolutely yes. loves his golf, this guy. And he's got a good swing. I saw it on social media this week. Uh, he's a lefty, but apparently plays golf right-handed. So. Conversation for another day. We will do mm. best non-golf professional, best non-golf golfers. Okay. So best golfers uh, who are professionals from other sports. We'll talk about that next week. Yep. Okay, fair enough. But but anyway, there was uh, held at Celtic Manor, which is where they had the Ryder Cup many years ago in 2010, where Europe won. But uh, an interesting golf course, a lot of water. But Callum Shinkwin, uh, Englishman, won by four shots from Scotland's Connor Syme. It was a bit of an up and down final day. Callum had a one-shot lead over France's Julien Guerriere, but uh, unfortunately he faded to a 76. But Callum pretty much had it under control most of the way. There was a bit of tension towards the end, but it was a, an outstanding win for him and, uh, and good to get one on the books. As far as the Aussies go, unfortunately it was a bit of a dry week. They had seven, seven uh, starters and only one made the cut and Dimi Papadatis finishing in a tie for 63rd. So uh, Aussies are struggling a bit over in Europe, but playing well in the US. So uh, hopefully we can... You know, lift them up a bit more over there. And you had someone else that you wanted to uh, shine a little light on. Um, who, I did. Who you know? Yes. Well, uh, uh, you know, I'm a member down at the National Golf Club, and, mm. and our own Sue Worcester, who's uh, been an outstanding golfer for you know her whole career. She's um, won so many so many club championships mm. down there. An amazing amateur golfer. Won pretty much everything, but. Unfortunately for her, and I say unfortunately because it's an amazing result, she finished runner-up in the U.S. Senior Women's Open held in Alaska last week. It's her third runner-up, so I think she's due, but she's 60 years old, and I mean, she almost gets better with age. It's amazing. Uh, it's a phenomenal performance, and just on a side note, it wouldn't be an all-year-round proposition golf in Alaska, would it? <laughs> I wouldn't think so, no. <laughs> Definitely a summer sport over there, oh, and probably only about maybe, a month. <laughs> maybe just a few weeks <laughs> of the year, you can actually go and have a hit. Um I'm actually amazed that there's golf courses there. Now, congratulations uh, to all our Aussies doing well on all the various tours around the world. Speaking of tours around the world, the most controversial in the history of the game is, of course, the Live Tour, the Renegade Golf League, Saudi-backed, Greg Norman run. Uh, We'll talk about the lawsuit in just a moment that 11 players have filed against the PGA Tour in order to continue to play PGA Tour events. But I did say uh, the biggest news story of the day has been a bombshell drop by uh, Victorian golfer Cam Percy. We spoke about him earlier, tied for eighth at the Wyndham. Uh, He was speaking to RSN this morning um, and was speaking about uh, his playing career and then managed to maybe break the biggest golfing story from an Australian golfing point of view for the year. I'll play way more golf next year and sort of, and with even, I know of even more guys that are leaving um, with a live, so. I think I'll be all right next year. Now, two of those wouldn't be Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, would they? <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, they're gone. So I don't know if that's Cam Percy's opinion or that's Cam Percy's uh, inside information from his fellow tour pros. Mark Leishman and Cam Smith, the current world number two, he believes, gone to live golf. 
Uh, he had a few more things to say. He goes, the more you look into it, the more some the, the more look into it. Some people don't care. Some people have have got a conscience and do care. It really comes down to. Uh, and he makes some in, uh, insinuations about the Saudi uh, people not being the nicest in the world or the regime not being the nicest in the world. Do you look past that and go, oh, well, I'm rich. I don't really care. It's a tough one. It really is. Um, but he also said that he would be open um, and he would consider making a, a move to, uh, sorry, that was Adam Scott who had said he would consider making a, a move to. Um, so Cam Percy saying it's about your conscience, uh, but he said he did speak to Cam Scott uh, about it. Um, uh, a little while ago uh, about the, the live tour. It's a big call. I mean, if Cam Smith goes, that's almost the ultimate blow to the PGA tour, I think, because he at the moment is the open champion, but he's also the players champion, which is their, their, uh, you know, pinnacle of the, of, of the tour basically for them because they don't control the majors. That's their biggest tournament. And if he goes as the players champion, that's going to send a big spanner in the works, obviously for them. But, um, it's a big call. I mean, I know, you know, Cam Percy quite well. And, uh, uh, he's, there's a lot of locker room talk going around. Who, who knows? But obviously he's pretty convinced that they are just in that statement, but, uh, time will tell. That wasn't a, yeah, it looks like mm, all signs a... are pointing to that was said. And I'm just trying to listen to tone of voice and the way in which something's delivered. That seemed pretty emphatic. It did. Yeah. That was decisive. They're gone. Basically. He didn't leave any doubt in there. Did he? How, how do you feel about that? Well, um, it, it look, I don't blame players for going that I mean I, and I, I'm still sort of sitting on the fence a little bit with all this live golf stuff but I, I understand why guys would go I mean the money is insanely ridiculous we, we all know that and the sport you know we're talking about sports washing and all the etc etc they're not saying it's about the money they're saying well we want to um, you know grow the game and it's a faster format we want to play less etc etc so we all know that's not true we, you know, we know why they're going they're going for the money now I guess the issue I probably have a little bit, and I feel for the guys that have stayed on the PGA Tour, is, hang on, they're going, you want to now come back and play on our tour? You want to, you know, they're suing them at the moment. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But these guys that are going to the Live Tour, fine, go over there and play. Billy Horschel made some interesting comments. Will Zalatoris, same thing, saying, look, you go. That's no problem at all, but don't come back and play on our tour. They want the best of both worlds. So there's going to be, it's going to be a red-hot locker room if some of these players are allowed back in there. There's so much to play out in terms of will they get ranking points? Um, will these suspensions stand up? Will it be a case of if you go to live, then you are live and nothing else? Uh, and will you know? Will the European tour follow suit and go with full bans, not just the partial ones that they've put in place? There is so much to play out. But as it stands right now, if Cam Smith especially, with all due respect to Mark Leishman, mm. who's you know almost won an Open Championship himself... If he leaves and is gone from PGA forever, at the age that he is with what we thought was on the horizon for him, on the precipice of potential greatness, more majors to come, what do you feel like it does legacy-wise? Yeah, it's. I mean, he's the Open champion. He's just won the mm. Open at St. Andrews. For me, I was hoping... Yeah, it, He's the, a, almost the, one of the poster players yeah, now. Yeah, him and Rory and JT and John Rahm. Yep. Yeah, Spieth, you know, they're... If any of those guys go, we're kind of going, hmm, this is interesting. And we saw it after the press conference at the Open, you know, when they asked him, look, you know, about the live. And he said, oh, no, I let my my, my team talk, you know, mm. take care of that. So that was a bit of a sign that, oh, okay, maybe there is something to this story. So as the Open champion, I, I was kind of hoping, well, yeah, he'll hang around and, and really fulfill, you know, playing all these tournaments and really support 
tournaments and the, and, and the tour guys that he's been around for so long going forward. And he said a while back, look, I've got enough money. I don't need any more. But, you know, obviously the numbers they're now throwing at him has probably doubled or tripled <laughs> since he won the Open. So you can't blame the guy at the same time. But it's a, it's a messy situation right now. And, and you know, Liv have now thrown out this lawsuit, which has a lot to do with antitrust and anti-competition. I mean, I have some quotes here where they say, you know, the tour's conduct serves no purpose other than to cause harm to players, foreclose the entry of the first meaningful competitive threat the tour has faced in decades. That's a big part of it. So Phil Mickelson, Ian Poulter, uh, along with Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford and Matt Jones, who are seeking the temporary restraining order to allow them to compete at the FedEx Cup playoffs, which we're going to preview in just a moment, along with Bryson DeChambeau, Abraham Anser, Carlos Ortiz, Pat Perez, Jason uh, Cockrack and uh, Peter Uline. 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 Those are the other players putting their name to the lawsuit, arguing that the PGA Tour is trying to hurt their careers. PGA have responded uh, within the last 24 hours, and it was rather scathing. Um, He said, the plaintiffs have waited nearly two months to seek relief from court, fabricating an emergency they now maintain requires immediate action. The statement from the the, the tour read, uh, it goes on to say, despite knowing full well that they would breach tour regulations and be suspended for doing so, plaintiffs have joined competing league Live Golf, which paid them tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in guaranteed money supplied by Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund to procure their breaches. TRO plaintiffs now run into court seeking a mandatory injunction to force their way into tour season and FedEx Cup playoffs, an action that would harm all tour members that follow the rules. The antitrust laws do not allow plaintiffs to have their cake and eat it too. So much around this. By the way, the extra, the additional comments made by Cam Percy state that um, he's spoken to Adam Scott and Adam Scott said that in 2017 was when he first was had it broached with him about the live tour. So wow. the flip side is that the PGA knew that this was coming. They're saying that, hey, you guys knew, we said all along that if you join this, this is what the rules are. Um, how do you see this playing out? <laughs> In the courts, basically. Yeah. yeah the, the, the big winner out of this is going to be the lawyers. Uh, I can't see this getting settled for three, four, five years, to be honest. I mean, but the, and that's what lawsuits are all about. They just go, they just keep going. I mean, I heard something recently, I'll probably end up in the Supreme Court and things like that. Now, these three players that want to play the FedEx Cup playoffs, I mean, that actual hearing's taking place Tuesday American time, so tonight our time, basically, or, or early morning tomorrow, and they will decide whether they're able to play the first FedEx Cup event. So that's going to be something very interesting, and I have a feeling they probably will be allowed because, you know, the European guys got to stay to play in uh, in the Scottish Open recently, Poulter and a few of the others that wanted to play there, Garcia and so on. So that, that got approved. So... It'll be interesting if they do say, no, you can't, well, why not? You know, because the other players did at the same time. So in the long term, it's just going to drag out. All right. So Cam Percy says, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, gone. What, how closely are they watching this, do you think? And, and, and you say it's going to take years. They're going to have to make a decision before then. But I wonder if this holds up, the ban holds up, then mm. do you, I mean, does that make it more or less likely? I I don't know. I mean, Cam Smith is exempt into every major for the next five years. And is there any way for them to deny him of that? If he signs with live? uh, Well, that's the next part about all this. The majors are going to get together and they're going to then go to their, because that's a separate, they're separate entities. Exactly. They're going to go to their qualifying criteria. The next up on the major list is Augusta, the masters. Now, Fred Ridley, uh, they've thrown Fred Ridley under the bus recently, Liv. So um, Augusta members are not real happy about all this right now. 
they're a law unto themselves. They can do whatever they want and change their qualifying system however they want. Now, a lot of live players, I don't, can't remember how many, but eight or nine of them, I think, are Masters champions, or maybe five or six of them are past Masters champions. So they're going to not invite Masters champions? I mean, that's going to be a big call, and that's where the lawsuits are really the di- kicking. The dinner's going to have a lot less, uh, <laughs> the, the famous dinner. But, I mean... So you go back for well, seconds. Ca- all right, Cam Smith's last three Masters, type of third, tenth, second. Mm, yeah, I mean, he's... We young. feel like he's... He's ready to win right a green there. jacket. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Adam Scott, maybe he's just waiting to see what happens with the Augusta criteria coming up to mm. whether he's, you know, he, whether he goes, whether he goes or not. I don't know. So whether he's thinking about it, I'm not sure. I haven't heard much about Scotty, but, uh, yeah, it's, we're in for a hell of a run for the, for the remainder of this year. Is it good for golf? Obviously not at the moment. Um, the people that you really want, you know, this to improve mm. for is the fans. We just want to see the best players in the world. By the way, there's a story out to text message, uh, as part of this lawsuit, people have been all obviously discovery, and you got to hand over documents. Part of the documents are text message exchange between Sergio Garcia and Greg Norman that are worth reading because Sergio goes, "Hey, the younger guys are getting a bit antsy uh, if they're going to get suspended." And and Greg Norman maintains in every text they don't have a legal leg to stand on. Wow! So in all these exchanges between Sergio Garcia, Greg Norman, Greg is consistently saying, "Do not have a legal leg to stand on." That's interesting, isn't we it? We will but... wait and see, but. I can't think of there being a, a bigger Australian golfing story than what there would be in our history. I mean, apart from the wins, the wins that we've had at majors over the years where Australians have won, but would there be a bigger story in the history of Australian golf than if Cam Smith said, I'm going to live? I'm going, yeah. I mean, it'll be after the FedEx Cup playoffs if, if that does happen. And then it carries on to, okay, well, what happens with the European Tour? Are they going to start banning them as well? There might be that issue. We've got the Australian Open at the end of the year, and that's co-sanctioned with the European Tour for the men. So, you know... We'd love to have Cam play that. And all of a sudden you go, oh, maybe he can't play. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it's, well, it is without a doubt the most highly controversial. And I think it is the, a moment in time that I think has no equal in no. golf. Mm. Well, the other, the, the PGA Tour is also looking at this lawsuit going, okay, you've got three players that want to play the FedEx Cup. There's another three or four that have said, no, we, they're eligible. And they could play if they wanted to go in this lawsuit, but they've gone, no, we're not going to. So why are they not doing it? That's an interesting point as well. So much to play out. We'll get a quick preview from you on uh, the FedEx Cup finals. We've still got to get your thoughts on the uh, new classifications that Golf Australia are recommending to club golfs all around the world about your tee markers. Uh, and then, of course, where in the world has Nick Ahern played? All thanks to our very good friends at Big Swing Golf. We'll tell you more about them in just a moment as well. And some Nick Ahern knowledge to be dropped as we finish up off the tee on SEN. You're with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Uh, welcome back to Off The Tee. Great to have your company. Um, FedEx Cup, Nick O'Hearn. Um, phenomenal tournament, interesting tournament, and quite intricate in the way in which it's set up. Luckily, we've got you here uh, <laughs> to explain to us how it all works uh, as uh, it starts this weekend. It uh, certainly does. It's going to be changing with the new schedule coming out too, so which is a good thing. But for this year, what's going to happen is now the top 125 make the first playoff tournament. Now, there's three tournaments. The first one is called the FedEx St. Jude Championship, 125 players, and they're playing at TPC Southwind in Memphis. I love this course. I actually played well there one year, finished third, I think, so I don't nice. mind. <laughs> nice. But uh, what will happen is a four-round tournament, and the top 70 players go through to the second round of the playoffs, as they call it, which will be the 
BMW Championship in Wilmington Country Club in Wilmington, Delaware. Wonderful part of the world. Yes, I believe so. Haven't been there. <laughs> <laughs> Up in the northeast yet, there. Yet, yet. Yet, exactly. And, uh, you know, the, the top 30 advanced then to the Tour Championship at Eastlake in Atlanta, Georgia, the home of where Bobby Jones used to play and all that sort of thing way back in the day. Now, that one takes an interesting format because the top 30 players then have a staggered start. So number one, mm. leading ranked player going into that final, starts at 10 under, 10 I under, believe. Yes. And then the second player might start at, what is Eight. it, Sam? Eight under, and then seven, six, six et cetera, five, et cetera. Uh, yeah. And then if you are number 26 to 30, you start at even part. Mm. So last year, I remember um, Patrick Cantlay won the FedEx Cup. However, someone beat him. It might have been John Rahm, I believe, beat him on the actual stroke score for the tournament. So if they had started at even, John Rahm would have won. But because he had that lead, that three or four shot lead on on him, um, Patrick Cantley ended up winning, which took home the massive prize money. And this year it's even gone up even more. 18 million for the win, uh, 6.5 for the runner up. And just for qualifying for the playoffs, $120,000. Uh, and whilst numbers 126 to 150, in the FedEx Cup standings, earn 85000 as well. So tidy little earn. Not bad at all. That used to go into the PGA Tour pension fund, mm. whereas now I believe they can access it straight away. So there is money to be made in these three tournaments. Uh, best chance from an Australian point of view? Well, you'd have to be Cam. It's got to be Cam, obviously. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of players uh, who have a good chance, I think. But you, you really have to get off to a good start in this first tournament. For the guys that, I mean, for, Cam's ranked number two in the FedEx Cup. So he's kind of got that advantage. Mm. Now, they, they all don't really start from square. You know, you're higher ranking you are. If you mm. miss the cut in the first event, you're probably, you're obviously going to get in the second event. Uh, Lucas Herbert's next best, number 44. Uh, Mark Leishman, 62. And Cam Davis, who's been playing really good golf of late, is 66. Now, Matt Jones, who we just Adam spoke. Adam Scott, is he still in? Scotty, yeah, sorry. He's number 77. Yep. He is in there. And uh, I think uh, Jason Day would be the last one who's he's around 112. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah, I was going to say 113, but yeah, 112. At the moment, Matt Jones is not in it because he's been taking out because he's on the live tour. Yes. However, if they win this uh, little loss, well, the you know injunction the injunction yeah. yes if he wins that he goes in now the interesting thing if those players win that that injunction those three players do they then knock three out I'm curious to see what happens yeah that'll be a big <laughs> decision to be made um interesting story um that's uh, doing the rounds at the moment which has um, had a mixed response from club golfers all around Australia is it Golf Australia are pushing clubs to scrap the ladies tee in favour of gender neutral colour based system basing them off ability regardless of sex. So if you're um, if you're uh, quite an accomplished women's golfer, you don't need to go off the ladies. You go off where your handicap would probably uh, suggest that you could and you can then play the course longer uh, and, and have that challenge as well, where if you're older and the distance is gone from you, uh, the handicap's dropped, you can go from the closer up tee. What did you think of this story? I love it. I always think, you know, you play from the tee that, your skill level determines and really how far you hit the ball. Interestingly enough, I was out playing the national with a gentleman yesterday and, and he said, well, the end of the older I get, um, I'm not going to be hitting you very far. I'm not going to be able to play off these tees. And I said, well, that's fine. Just move to the next tee up. No problem at all. So I don't think they should specify a color with a Well, sorry, you know, a, a lady's tee or now they call it women's tees, men's tees, senior tees, whatever. I just make it a color, maybe the back tee, the middle tee and the forward tee. I, I really think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, they're hoping too that it'll address the deficiency in attracting younger women uh, to the game as well. I mean, in every sport around the world at the moment, the biggest growth area is getting women to participate. It is, it is just smart business. 
let alone just it is just good for the game and it and it's and it's rightly so that everyone should be encouraged to feel like they're equally able to play any sport um no matter what it is but it also just makes good business sense uh, as well so it's worth reading that article has had a few um mixed responses from from different clubs uh, around the place it must be said you're never going to make everyone happy are you but uh interestingly enough uh, i was talking to james sutherland at the golf australia last night and and he said you know with the men's and women's australian open coming together the corporates are loving it and it's a real opportunity for you absolutely know, the, you were talking about the business sense business side of it well it just makes sense in that regard but you know we're talking about um, amateur golf here and, and golf hall throughout out the country. And I, I just think it's it's a great way to do it. And look, if you only hit the ball 100 metres, you know, go onto the fairway and start from there rather than back on the tee. So they'll have all these different tees that you can start from. It's a great initiative. Brand new segment uh, debuting on Off the Tee straight after this. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome brand new partner on Off The Tee, Big Swing Golf. Indoor golf simulators, they are all up and down the eastern seaboard. Bigswinggolf.com.au, massive screens. This is golf simulation at its peak. Uh, selection of exciting virtual games. It delivers one-of-a-kind simulation, fun for golfers and non-golfers al- uh, alike. It is indoor golf, real, fun, and fast. You can have casual play. You can have uh, – there's a long drive comp that they do. You can have functions there, so you can have a drink and some food and uh, take your mates or work colleagues. There's family uh, activities as well, coaching. They've even got their own league. So they are all around. Uh, have a look at their website to find a location near you. But one of the beautiful things that they do – uh, Nick Ahern, and I've got the list of, of places um, right in front of me, and it is spectacular that you can actually play a simulated round at any number of the greatest courses on earth. I'm talking St. Andrew's Old Course. Um, you look all around this list, uh, all around the world, the best golf courses you can play on. So Pebble Beach, we thought we'd start there. You yeah. can play the simulated round at Pebble Beach. You have played there for real. Played there many times. I've yes. been very fortunate. I mean... And the first thing you, when you arrive there is you go, oh my gosh, look at these views. It's, you know, it's on, it's just outside of Carmel on the Monterey Peninsula coast there. And it's some of the most spectacular yep. scenery you will ever see. I've I got driven very, through it. I got very lucky actually, because um, a friend of mine, as it turned out, I played with him in the Dunhill Lynx Championship. And he said, oh, whenever you come to the U.S., come and stay with me. I said, where do you live? He said, on the 13th hole at Pebble Beach. So, oh, <laughs> so every year I played the stop it. Pebble Beach Pro-Am, I would stay with him. And uh, and it was I had the most amazing view. But the golf course is, you know, it, it's it's iconic, basically. They've held six U.S. Opens there over the years. Nicholas won there in 72 when he hit that one iron that hit the flag. One of the most iconic golf shots going. Tom Watson chipping in in 1982 to beat Nicholas on the 17th hole. He made this amazing chip in. Mm. Look it up on YouTube. It's brilliant. Tom Kite won in 92 and who can forget 2000. Tiger Woods won by 15 shots around there. It's it's just, and you know, next next best was three over, P, over par. He was 12 under par. He tore it up. So Favourite hole? Favourite hole for me, you know, it's hard to go past that seventh hole. A little short one down the hill. I love that one. Seven and 18. You know, 18 is you're coming around you got to take on the water if you like, or if you go right, you've got houses. It's it's the ultimate test of do I have a crack at it or uh, do I do I just sort of hit the iron down there and, and play it more of a percentage sort of style of play. But uh, the views around that golf course are second to none. They compare it a little bit to the New South Wales golf course um, in Australia here. 
but it's that it's that on steroids in a way. Which is I another think. course you can play, by the way, at Big Swing Golf, indoor golf, real fun and fast. So we'd love to hear from you. If you head down uh, to Big Swing Golf, play Pebble Beach uh, and text us in at any time to tell us how you went. Uh, one of Nick Ahern's favourite courses, you could play it, and it is brilliant to have Big Swing Golf on board off the tee. Each week, Nick Ahern's going to go through. There's about 25 of the courses that he's played uh, and performed brilliantly at, and he's going to give us an insight into it. We don't have much time left, Nick Ahern, but we need to get some Nick Ahern knowledge, the book <laughs> How to Play Your Best Golf. Um, this week, this what's week? your tip for us? Well, I thought in honour of Ashley Buhai's up and down on the 72nd, well, actually it was the fourth playoff hole on the 18th hole at Murfield Golf Course there in Scotland to win the Open, I thought I'd talk a bit about her bunker action because she is the number one player on tour in sand saves. I thought Lydia Ko would be. She's got one of the best short games in the world, but she, Lydia Ko's number two. Buhai is number one. And the thing you'll notice about this shot she hit in the fourth play of hole is it's a very long and fluid golf swing. So when you get in the bunker, make sure you have a nice, long, fluid golf swing. And the, also the, the key to it is to accelerate and follow through. One of the big things I see with a lot of amateur golfers out there, they kind of get the club stuck behind the ball and they quit on it and they try and lift it. Whereas just be aggressive, follow through to a nice full finish. Some of the best bunker players in the world are South African and she's a South African. So you can't go wrong there. And we can't go wrong every time you drop some Nick Ahern knowledge on us. The book, How to Play Your Best Golf. Uh, get it now in all good bookstores. Get it online. It is all around the place. Uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying uh, my copy of it, and you will too. I'll see you next week, Nick. Sounds good. Can't wait. That's it for another Off the Tee. We'll speak to you same time, same place, next week on SEN. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.